Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. Man, I would love to interview this lady. The book that was recommended to me. I'm going to tell you, go check out this book. It's called Our Digital Soul with Jenny Black and Bob Hutchins. Really, really good. Uh, Jenny's a local therapist. You may know her. If you know her, tell us, tell her, hey, Paul wants to interview you. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, no, but the, the, the book is, is really good. It's about digital media and the problems it's causing with adults and, and the youth alike. And it's just something that I think people are starting to catch on, that there's an issue here. There's a big issue. And I won't steal her thunder if she comes on here. I want her to talk about this. But there are some really good things in this. And one of the things they're talking about is, so we have so much negativity out there, so many things scaring us. And I love this one little section and it was talking about statistics from Pew Research and saying, hey, look, and we think the thing, the world's getting worse and, and you, it would be, you'd be hard pressed not to convince people that the world is getting worse and it's bad and it's awful out there. And one of the things that they, they say here is that almost all crime in the United States is half of what it was in the early 1990s. That's hard to believe. Violent crime fell 49% between 1993 and 2019. Robbery fell 68%. Murder, 48, 47% lower. Aggravated assault, 43%. You listen to that and you go, wait a minute, what world is this? This is from Pew Research. They found this. This is fascinating. You can go out and look at the data on this. Now, I, I did a segment on the show recently talking about the media. And the point that I made was they were looking around for periods of time that we could say something that was happening here in the United States was happening everywhere. And that one period of time was during COVID, right? And the point that I made was that our news was 80% more negative than the collective media outside the United States during that period of time. And you go, well, wait a minute, what on earth is going on here? Well, that's part of our capitalistic media culture, like it or not, it just, you just have to be buyer beware. You have to recognize that this stuff happens and recognize that bad news, you know, scares us into making bad decisions, but it sells. And my, my wife actually sent me, here's an article I had written for a local newspaper. And it was right near the bottom, one of the scariest market conditions we had since the Great Depression. Remember 2008. Late 2007, 2008, it was nasty. So about December of 2008, I'm writing this article for the newspaper. And I said, hey, look, you know, you got to recognize that the media is not out there being your friend. They're going to scare you. There's all kinds of bad stuff. There's all kinds of negative stuff. They'll ignore the good stuff because it doesn't sell. I'm, I'm saying all the things that I'm doing right now, right? And I wrote that. And then what happened is the next year... Did I know that was going to happen? No clue. But the next year, 2009, was a huge year for markets all around the world. Big upturns. You know, large U.S. stocks went up. Yeah, no, nowhere near what emerging market stocks went up. And, uh, and then Jim, 
And the Goodlessville office had this thing that he'd written, and I I liked it. I'm just going to read what he said because I thought it was so well put. He said, companies are made up of buildings, inventory machines, real estate, and most importantly, people. For companies to be successful, they must be profitable over time. A rational business enterprise failing to earn a superior return will stop or change what it is doing, or it will cease to exist. If they are not successful, the CEO, board members, and executives can all lose their well-paying jobs, and they will do everything they can to avoid that. And I would add in here, a lot of their pay comes from the stock, and if they don't do it, if they don't fix it, a lot of their pay goes away because their stock price goes down as well. But to continue what he said, companies will innovate, close unsuccessful product lines, reduce staff, or do anything else to get back to profitability. All the incentives point to that goal, he says. It has happened during every downturn. Companies as a group react to whatever the stressors, the stresses are, and eventually cor- corporate profits recover and historically have gone higher, followed by higher stock prices. Well said. That's again, that's Jim Wood up in the, in the Goodlessville office. And you know, just keep in mind, just keep in mind that these things happen, they're all over the place and, and knowing what's going to happen. You know, re- the reality of it is, this is the biggest thing that destroys investors. This fear. You know, it's like we have nothing to fear but fear, fear ourself, right? <laughs> And it's so true because fear causes us to do irrational things. And you, know, you look at some markets, you know, what's going on this year. It's, it's been fascinating. I was talking to one of the guys at the radio station. I said, so interesting how different the markets have been in the various, when I talk about markets, you know, I don't talk about just the S&P 500 and the Dow and the NASDAQ, you know, like you often hear in the media. I'm talking about all different markets. It's just so interesting to see how differently they're responding this year previous compared to last year. Uh, so differently before the, in the year before that and different areas are doing well, which, you know, in one area hadn't done anything in several years. And a lot of people had been giving up on it. And that's big international companies. Yeah. Done real well so far this year. And that, it doesn't mean you go out and, hey, let's go chase that. No, 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 no. It's just the point being how things change. And you have to be there before it happens. Because when it happens, typically markets move so fast you can't get in on time. And I've talked about this before and it blows people's minds. It's like just a little over two days per year, historically, when you're looking at the S&P 500, this, goes, this data goes back to the 1950s, have actually been responsible for 100% of the positive returns of the stock market. <laughs> Good luck being there in one of those two days, right? Good luck with that. Hey folks, I want to tell you something I'm really excited about. My new book, Confident Financial Planning, is finally out. It's in paperback, hardcover, Kindle version, and I actually have an audiobook version of it. Uh, it talks about building your financial castle. I use that throughout the book, talking about your investments, your financial plan is kind of like a castle. 
Do you have your savings and your emergency funds? I talk about that debt, good debt, bad debt. Talk about special goal funds and how to set those things up and how to invest for those types of special things that you might want to do in the future. Types of retirement accounts, different types of taxation of investment accounts. Talk about real estate investing and pros and cons of that, how to project retirement assets, and your moat. You know, that's how you protect your castle. It's the risk management aspect of a financial plan. You want to find out more about that? You go to paulwinkler.com forward slash book to get it. And I hope you enjoy. I remember I was at a presentation not too long ago, and the guy was talking about Elon Musk, and I thought it was fascinating. He said that he was early adopter of these uh, robo-portfolios. As a matter of fact, there was a big lawsuit against one of the big robo-providers uh, that I was reading, as a matter of fact. But um, I'm not really big on those things. Uh, you know, We don't use them in our practice or anything like that, or ever recommend them. But one of the things that Elon Musk, actually one of the things he from what I understood, is he was an early adopter of this. And what happened is he found out that the biggest problem was actually human behavior when it came to investing. And the problem with the robotic portfolios, and they sound good and and everything, but I've looked at them. I've had a friend of mine that actually hired several different robo-advisors just to see how they managed money. It was surely it was it was surely a a, a project just to do do some research, and it was amazing. They were doing stock picking. They were market timing with the with the index funds. They were moving money around. They were using commodities in the portfolios. There were all kinds of things that they were doing that would be just raise your eyebrow, going, "Oh my goodness!" But people that hire them, they don't know that. You know, they're just hiring them, thinking, "Oh, robotic portfolios, robots are good, right?" <laughs> Not necessarily. But, you know, the thing is, is that back to the human behavior. The problem with it, human behavior is there are a couple different ways that investing is challenging. And one is that investors tend to stay away from diversification. They, they give lip service to it, but it butts up against their instincts and emotions. My instincts tell me to go toward pleasure and go away from pain. And people do this all the time. Oh, you know, I heard real estate's doing good. I got to go do that. Oh, I heard gold's doing good. I got to go do that. Oh, I heard that tech stocks are doing good. I got to go do that. Oh, I heard that, you know, and they jump from one thing to another. They move around. And when you're diversifying, there are going to be things in your portfolio that just had actually pretty bad performance (laughs) because that's diversification. That's why you own it. You don't know what's going to do well next. And if you did, you just move from what thing that is just done well, and now you're going to move to the next thing that's going to do well. And it sounds really good, but it doesn't work. Uh, you know, there was a study of pension funds, and they had like 90 plus pension funds in Brinson, Hood, and Bebauer study. And not one of them increased returns as a result of their efforts in tactical asset allocation, known more commonly as market timing. And you go, well, that's what they're doing when you're moving, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Did it help? Not even with the best and brightest, best educated investors did it help. You know, so that's one thing. And what happens is people start off with great intentions, even if they do start off diversified. And I found this the hard way. I used to try to educate people on investing. Remember this one guy, 
Well, there's lots of different stories, but this one really sticks out in my mind. And this guy, you know, he goes, hey, you know, I'll pay you. And I uh, go through your coaching program and educate me. And a year later, I met with him and the portfolio was a mess. He had fallen for something else. He moved over and did something else because, you know, something else sounded good. And, you know, changed the portfolio. And I was like going, good grief. This is like an accident waiting to happen. People start off with these great intentions, but they don't stick with it for the same reasons. And I often say that investing isn't like anything else you do. When you hire a physician, you look at, hey, who had uh, good luck with <laughs> luck? That's a bad word. <laughs> who had good results doing this particular type of surgery? You know, who has a good track record in having patients respond well to the surgery that they do? Uh, you know, how many have they done? Uh, you know, what car company has a good car that is reliable? Uh, what toothpaste does a really good job of keeping people away from the dentist and, you know, not, where they don't have cavities all the time? Uh, you know, you can look at track record in so many things, but investing markets go up and they go down. And if you buy something after it's gone up, what followed? Down. <laughs> and you're just buying high, which is, makes no sense. And it's just not like anything else that you do. And, you know, past performance, they say it on the prospectuses. It's not an indication of future performance. Matter of fact, it can even be negatively correlated. In other words, great past performance may be an indication of poor future performance. And you say, well, what do you look at? Well, I look at cost of capital. It gets way too, too complicated. But if you, you, I talked about earlier where you have large U.S. stocks historically, you know, 10% return back in the 1920s. Uh, and all the 30-year periods are right around 10%. So that would be the long-term expected return. Small companies, it's going to be higher. Why? Because there's more risk. There's a logical reason that small companies would have a higher expected return. Value companies have a higher expected return. There are logical reasons for it. Small value, higher expected return than all of them that I just named. Why? Because of the cost of capital concept. And then if you look at out of sample, you go to the United States, you look at Japan, you look at Australia, you look at Europe, you look at Germany and France, and, and you find that it's consistent that you see these effects in different countries. So out of sample, you have the same thing. You know, so what happens is that we can look at these things and go, okay, there are things that you do look at, but you know, looking at three, five years, and five years just seems to be the thing that people look at. And I've seen people go, you know, two years, and I had this performance over two years, that's it, I'm, I'm out of this investment. I'm like going, that's really good. <laughs> you look at two years, uh, you know, it looks like real estate, oh, that did a great job, you know, from 2000 to about 2006 and early 2007. And then people started jumping on board and real estate went crazy. And then they started jumping on board and all of a sudden, crash. And then it was over. You know, so the problem that you run into is that investor, investment advisors and mutual fund companies tend to manage portfolios based on what people will buy. People will buy past performance. They will buy low management fee funds. You know, think fund companies that advertise on that. They will buy hot sectors versus what is more prudent. Prudence doesn't sell really well. It's kind of boring a little bit. And yet, this is what people do, and this is why investors fail over and over again. 
And you know, it's frustrating, but that's kind of the way it works. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there. And if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., PWI, an investment advisor registered in the state of Tennessee. PWI does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation. This information is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any securities.